Welcome to CareerPod, your Audible Career Fair podcast. I'm your host, Dana Francis. I knew as soon as I started brainstorming for this show that I needed to track down someone that actually works in the music industry. Call me a bit of a Debbie Downer, but I wanted the real story because I know it's not all sunshine, rainbows, lollipops, and record deals. If you're lucky enough to know James, you know he's like this little cheerleader for the local music community. He has been so supportive, not only of this podcast, but also the local podcasting community. I've gone and split this episode into two parts. There is just no way I was going to be able to fit all the information into one episode. In this first part, we explore the not-so-linear path James took before owning his recording studio. I hope you enjoy, and we will conclude this conversation next week. Today we are joined by James Seabrook, owner-operator of Two Bodies of Water Production, audio engineer and producer, musician, vocalist, songwriter, and inspirational guru to creative (laughs) minds. Thank you so much for joining us today. Glad to be here. Can we first rewind? You were telling me before that your 20s were a mess of careers. Can you speak to that and how it brought you to where you are today? Okay. Um, So at the end of my teens, I graduated from my first college program. And, and the first job I got out of college was working on the road as a technician for sound systems. Um, and so I would, I would tour with bands or I would, I would work for venues and I would provide a, a sound system. And that took me until I was 21 or 22 before I finally got burnt out. Everyone I worked with was easily twice my age. And yet I somehow found myself in a position of leadership in these where it was nonstop harassment and mocking and generally disregard because I'm a kid, right? I, at my age now, I look back and <laughs> I was a dumb kid. <laughs> As I transitioned out of that, um, you know, I started working, I started working four bars in town doing sound for live bands. And, and because the pay was so crappy and my schedule really was three to five evenings or nights, um, a week, it was really easy for me to branch out back into retail, which is where I started when I was a a young teen. And so I got into, I got into retail at HMV. Um, if any of your listeners remember that being a glory thing, um, I did retail at, uh, I tried back into a radio shack again. Cause I, cause of the tech experience. Um, I, uh, did a very tragic short run at chapters and um, it, it was this, it was this awkward process of these re- or awkward time of these really shitty retail jobs that didn't pay much anyway. So, so from there I decided, well, I have an opportunity to move to warehousing following, following someone that I'd worked for. And, and so I jumped at that, got told by my, by one boss, my last boss in warehousing that I was replaceable. And so he wouldn't give me a nickel raise. Um, after, you know, two and a half years. So I decided, you know what, I'm, I'm headed down the wrong path. Uh, I don't, I don't enjoy this a ton. And so I, I decided that now was the time to go back to school. And I started looking for, I started looking for jobs that I could do that were kind of related to what I wanted to go back into. And I really, at this point, I'd, I'd opened and closed the studio already, um, which I opened at 23 and closed at 24. I, um, had these, shitty warehousing jobs that didn't pay a lot. 
I decided that what I, you know, that, that kind of plan C what because i mean plan a was always to be a rock star i think that's for most teenagers that's kind of like the ideal right? the fact that you got to work in the music industry at such a young age must have been partially a dream but then also well, the reality of how it, much it, 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 it was it was so much of a so much of a eye-opener to work at to work in the music industry um, because i was always on the tech side and short of i mean i did a I did a couple small tours when I was in my teens and hadn't yet done one in my twenties. And I, I realized that I am, and, and this at the time I recognize in hindsight, I was a super arrogant kid and a super, um, super pretentious kid. Um, I like overwhelmingly pretentious that just still to this day, I laugh when I look back anyway. So I had all of these thoughts that made me that, that, I am better than this artist on stage and this resentment towards those artists because I felt I deserved to be there and they didn't. And of course, hindsight is, hindsight is king. All that resentment and failure led me to plan C, which was, I want to be a paramedic. And so I did, I, I got myself a job working with child services adjacent, um, working frontline with kids in a group home. Um, and that was the thing that allowed me to leave warehousing and because it's kind of healthcare related, uh, and move into this paramedicine. And I, I did my, so I, I did my EMR, um, did a couple tours on ambulances, realized how much I hated it. Um, and, and, and not, not that I hated it, but it was a lifestyle. Like it, it was, being a paramedic, being an emergency responder is, is a lifestyle that at the time I wasn't willing to accept. I wasn't willing to sacrifice my quote unquote life to, for my job. The job was always supposed to be secondary. And so, so that, I don't know, and that lasted about a year and I didn't enjoy it. Look, started looking around at what are alternatives to this that are similar, but not that something where I can have more life back. And through conversations with, um, some family, um, the idea of becoming a nurse was, uh, was brought up and it, it was one of those, it was one of those things that instantly I thought, yeah, that makes so much sense. I don't like doctors, but nurses are always awesome. Um, it didn't even occur to me that it was a female dominated job. Um, that definitely occurred to me later as I started doing classes, but, um, it seemed like this is, this is the thing where I should go. I had to upgrade school and, and I had to go through the application process, um, to get into the university of Alberta in their program. And I eventually did took me, it took me a year and a half to go through the upgrades and get accepted. And then I did get accepted, took out, took a whole bunch of student loans to help pay for stuff, kept working full time at the, at the group home and just really put everything into it. And then the school came about the actual doing the schoolwork. And it was the wrong type of learning system for me. I was a 27 year old who'd been out of school for nine years at this point and had developed all of these lazy 
after work habits that I would, I would go to school and I'd be super focused and I'd be super engaged and I'd be super involved and I'd take, I'd take notes and I'd really pay attention and I'd try to absorb as much as I can. And then I'd go home and fall asleep on the couch and, and very little, very little homework would get done. Very little extra studying or, you know, knowledge improvement or all that stuff. And that contributed to me having a piss poor grade point average that by the end of my second semester got me thrown out. And so that was the end of my nursing career. Still working in the group home, um, which led to me working in an after school program as I got tired of the group home. Um, so I think I put in five years into the group home, uh, which was awesome. One of the most emotionally rewarding and emotionally stressful jobs I've ever had. But uh, it led me to an after-school program. And then, uh, yeah, what did I, where did I go after that? Oh, and I got a job at a radio station. And, I, and so I'm back into where I started my first program at Nate, back into radio, and I started working for a radio station, and that ended my 30s. I think I got that job right before I turned 30. And so there, you know, a whole mess of zigzags through, through stuff, all because I had this thing in the back of my head from my parents and my grandparents and, and I'm, I'm past the resentment about them, but they, they were of the people, my grandparents, especially grew up through the, uh, through the great depression and, you know, get a good solid job. Don't do things, don't do flights of fancy, like pursue music or a career in music. And, and that's, it took me until I was 29 to realize that none of that matters. I need to do the thing that I am passionate about and willing to sacrifice for rather than get a real job. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think every generation, it kind of boils down to that. Parents want the best for their children. Grandparents Absolutely. want the best for their grandchildren. You want to see people have stable jobs because, you know, the economy goes up and down and... We are very lucky to live in a society where mm-hmm. if you work, you have a roof over your head, you have food in your belly. But, you know, right. there's a lot of places in the world that this isn't necessarily the norm and the future is always uncertain. Well, and, and, and I look back, I look back at that time and, and where I am now, I would have been really, I would have been really proud and passionate to be a paramedic. Um, I also would have been really proud and passionate to be a nurse. Um, I also would have been really proud to be a warehouser full time. Um, but because all of those things happened at a time in my life where I wanted something else and I was actively denying myself those feelings, um, none of them would have satisfied because I wanted to be doing something else. And, and so, I mean, so much of that comes down to timing too, right? But but, uh, but yeah, it, it was, it was, it was definitely a process that took me through my twenties to realize I'm just going to do the thing I want to do. And if that means I live very meagerly, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Back when you were a kid, was this kind of like the path you dreamed for yourself? You're like, I want it. Cause I think there's so many kids out mm-hmm. there, you know, in band, they're like, Oh, I want to be on the drums. <laughs> I want to be in a rock band. Like, obviously this is the dream of yeah. quite a few. So is like, is this what you, the path you had envisioned for yourself no, as a child? Not at all. Um, as a child, um, 
as a very young child, my father was a fireman. And so I wanted to be a fire truck. <laughs> the truck itself? The truck itself. Okay. Because well, I mean, like, 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 like Thomas the train, there's got to be James the fire truck. Um, and it's because I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be the fire truck that took my dad, the hero to the, the to the scene. Right. Um, that was that. I remember that very specifically. Um, through my, I don't know, through like eight through 14, I wanted to be a pilot. Um, and then at 15, I discovered, I discovered guitar and everything else fell away. But I, I, of course, 15 through the end of high school, I wanted to be a, you know, I wanted to be the rock star, but I also realized very quickly that I wasn't very good. You know, I was okay, but I wasn't good. And so that's, I, I constantly looked for, you know, that career that, how do I get into the music industry? Um, and it didn't really occur to me recording. I wanted to be like an electronics technician. I'll build guitars. I'll build amplifiers. I'll build cool electronic things that are all involved in music. Um, but my grades weren't good enough because of girls. <laughs> <laughs> I can attest to that too. In high yeah. school, I remember... Billabong shorts on, like I, you know, it's not just a male thing. It's mm -hmm. definitely a female thing too. There was a lot of distraction in high school, and yeah. I can appreciate that. That sometimes occupies a lot of uh, <laughs> our headspace. Sometimes, yeah, yeah, and and so that's that's when I discovered, um, I discovered recording programs, and I didn't know anything about recording. I didn't know anything about being in a studio because I'm 17 years old, um, and I I'd, I'd done some home recordings at this point. Uh, but you know, I thought that, that, that would be really cool. What I see in Hollywood seems awesome. Right. Or what I see in my guitar magazines, that seems awesome. Um, but recording programs were super expensive. And so I, I decided Nate was a good option because it was kind of recording adjacent and it turned out to be, turned out to be a good, a good choice. I got a lot of information out of it. Good start anyway. Can you explain to us a little bit about what an audio engineer does and what an audio mm -hmm. producer does? And so a producer and an engineer are very different things. Uh, producer specifically is a, is a term that gets, uh, gets defined very differently across many different industries, even within, even within entertainment. I mean, a film producer is very different from a, from a music producer, which is very different from a hip hop producer. Um, and so, so producer for the most part, producer is like the job site foreman, um, or the job site, whoever's head of the job site. Um, they're the ones that have to have the big picture in mind so that they can coordinate all the efforts of all the worker bees. Right. Um, now there's a lot of blurring lines as you get into music and, and film. Um, but us, uh, Essentially, in the entertainment world, that's what a producer is. They're the white hat. <laughs> um, in uh, uh, an engineer, by comparison, um, is specifically is specifically the individual that deals with the sonics of a recording or a performance or what have you, and they they manipulate and adapt whatever needs to happen. Um, and so that's, let's simplify this for a recording studio. Um, 
it's the person that sets up the microphones and adjusts volume at the 12 different stages where volume needs to be adjusted, um, interconnects the equipment that needs to be involved in that signal path for each microphone, um, facilitates the recording to a device like a computer, which is most of us use computers nowadays, um, and then facilitates the the ability for the performer, the producer, and anyone else in the studio to hear things properly and clearly. Um, what kind of education would you need to pursue a career path like this? Um, and is there much competition? Like, as I know there's a lot of programs that you go in and there's 100 students, but maybe there's only five jobs. Is this something? It's very similar. Okay. Um, in the city of Edmonton, there's... As far as music jobs go, there may be five um, for engineers. Uh, pretty much everyone in the city is self-employed. Um, there are engineers that work at radio stations, though they're not called engineers. They Radio stations call them some different. Um, there are audio engineers that work in film and TV. Um, and, you know, there's, there's more jobs in film and TV for audio engineers that are looking for jobs, but most of us are self-employed. Bigger centers like Toronto, Vancouver, um, down in the States, the landscape is pretty different and there's lots more jobs. I think um, I saw a, whatever the equivalent of stats can is for the States, um, released a statistic that the average income for an audio engineer in the States. Now this is across multiple genres of industry, but, um, uh, the average income is 60 to 70,000 a year American, which is pretty good. Pretty That's appealing. A decent <laughs> right? but chunk it, of change. It, there, there's also, there's also incredible, um, income disparity across that. Um, is a starter, someone starting in the industry might actually work for nothing for, for years before they get, before they get some sort of payment. Um, and they might start it. 15 year, 15 year, you know, but there's also, there's also the, the top of the industry, just in music alone, there's top of the industry where they're, they're making five, six a million a year. And so that, that drastically skews that average. Right. And of course they only talk about the average, right? So, um, now, now your, your, your question was to, to the schooling and, and the competition, um, Again, it, it, it's hard to come up with numbers. Um, there's organizations pro provincially that, that are trying to um, make the numbers more accessible so that they can go to politicians to create better policy and, and that kind of thing. Uh, Alberta Music Cities is one of them. Um, so so a, lot of the, a, lot of the, a lot of the statistics we have are, are American because um, the industry is a lot bigger down there. Um, there are in the neighborhood of 5,000 new graduates out of audio recording programs down in the States, which isn't a lot per um, year, per year, oh, wow. unless you look at the number of jobs that come available per year, which is in the neighborhood of 300 statistically. Um, and so there's, so there's, you know, 45 plus hundred a year that graduate that will never have a job or might never have a job. And they're reduced to, you know, home recording or, you know, and, and, and some of the recording schools. Working another full-time job. Working another full-time job while they do something on the side, right? 
Um, and recording schools are ridiculously expensive. Even in Canada, the top recording schools in Canada are in the neighborhood of thirty to 45000 a semester. Um, yeah, absolutely ridiculous by any, by any scholastic measure. And it's kind of scary because once you get yourself into that, that level of student loans, like how do you repay that? Like, Mm -hmm. and then you have to start kind of entertaining other jobs. I think maybe ones that don't require as much education that you could get into more easily, like the trades to help create that money so that you can actually not be in debt for the rest of your life and be in a home and go oh my student loan bill has come again (laughs) (laughs) exactly right i'm sorry for cutting things short we will have the second part of this interview next week For the time being, we actually have a treat this week. James has given us a short sample of one of his songs from his band, Despite the Blindness. Let us know what you think of it. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search QueerPod. Thank you so much for joining us today. Till we meet again, stay passionately curious.